Vale Christian Church podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney is teaching a message titled, Joy in Every Circumstance. Join us in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. We'll also learn what a bathosphere and Mariana Trench fish are. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Hello, Vail Christian Church. I'm so glad that you tuned in today. I'm excited about what the Lord has to um, speak to us about today. So I hope you're together with your family, um, wherever you are, if you're in your car, if you're at home. Um, I think that the Lord's got some really great things to teach us as well. So take out your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start about verse 10, and we're going to look at some things that I think God um, wants us to know. This is a really great letter that Paul writes. He writes it from prison. And uh, towards the end of this letter, I think that what we're going to see is a real perspective, a fantastic perspective of joy in every circumstance. So let's read it together, starting in verse 10, Philippians chapter 4. I have great joy in the Lord, because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. Now I know you were concerned before, but had no opportunity to do anything. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing, I'm able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. And as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this manner of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. I do not say this because I'm seeking a gift, rather I seek the credit that abounds to your account, for I have received everything and have plenty. I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. And my God will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. May glory be given to you, to may glory be given to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. I love this passage because we learn a lot about Paul's maturity in Christ. You know, um, growing old happens to everybody. It's an unavoidable fact, but growing up is not. Maturity is a matter of choice, It's a battle that we can win. And God wants us to be mature Christ followers or grow up. He mentions this repeatedly throughout the Bible. If you turn to Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15, this is another letter that Paul writes. He says, so we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth and love, we will in all things grow up into Christ, 
who is the head. In 1 Peter 2, just verses 1 and 2, Peter writes, So get rid of all evil and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander and yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up to salvation. He says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, solid food is for the mature whose perceptions are trained by practice to discern both good and evil. And then when you slip over to chapter 6, verse 1, he says, therefore, we must progress beyond the elementary instructions about Christ and move on to maturity. For the Christ follower, maturity is a process. It's a journey, and, it, and it's a, a, a process and journey that we never complete. Mature people are always changing, always moving towards greater maturity. Maturity is a developed and discerning competence as to how to live appropriately and to change correctly. There's several indicators as to whether or not an individual is mature. For example, we know maturity is present when balance places extremes or when good choices place bad ones. Other characteristics of a maturing Christ follower are you're becoming more mature, number one, when our concern for others outweighs our concern for ourselves. You're becoming more mature when we detect or when you detect the the presence of evil or danger before it's obvious. You're becoming more mature when you have wisdom and understanding as well as knowledge. You're becoming more mature when our awareness of needs is matched by our compassion and involvement. You're becoming more mature when we have the willingness to change once we're convinced that correction is in order. And you're becoming more mature when we have the ability to grow spiritually by an independent intake of God's word. I think that maturity is the ability, my dad used to teach me this, the ability to do a job whether you're supervised or not, to finish a job once you start it, to carry money in your pocket without spending it, to withstand an unfairness or a discrimination, injustice without wanting to get even. See, Paul, he's an awesome example of a maturing disciple in Jesus. He displays all kinds of uh, characteristics of maturity. And right here, we can extrapolate some. And in the text today, Paul is going to show key qualities that we need to embrace. I, I think, especially right now in the middle of this crisis that our culture is in, I think we need to embrace these things if we want to win the battle And we want to grow up and become mature spiritually and find satisfaction and contentment or joy. Which brings me to my second point, the practice of affirming others. I think this is a big deal. If you look at verse 10, you'll see that Paul affirmed the Philippians for their thoughtfulness in sending a monetary gift with Epaphroditus to meet his needs. And then in verses 15 through 17, he affirms them for doing this in the past you know, when he was in Thessalonica, the generosity that the 
uh, Philippian church has shown towards Paul, it goes back a long way. He has a really deep relationship with these people. Paul started the church in Philippi, and from there he went to Thessalonica to start a work there. Since Thessalonica was near Philippi, the, Phil the Philippian Christ followers sent messages to find out how Paul was doing. Word comes back eventually that Paul was in financial need, so they took up a collection and they sent it to him. And then later, when they had heard that the need continued, they did the same thing again this time. They also sent helpers to assist Paul. So from Thessalonica, Paul's mission work, it, it took him south to a place called Berea and then on to Athens. While in Athens, his companions from Philippi, they went back home, but they sent Silas and Timothy, who Paul had left there. They caught up to him in Corinth, where according to 2 Corinthians eleven nine, 9, the Philippians must have heard again that Paul was in need because they sent him additional funds. So eventually, the Christ followers at Philippi, they kind of lost track of Paul since he's constantly on the move, moving all around, planting churches and preaching Jesus everywhere. So communications were uncertain, they're, they're, they're slow, and they kind of lose track of each other. So this is what Paul meant in verse 10 when he said, you were concerned before, but you had no opportunity to do anything. So then while on Paul's third missionary journey, while he's imprisoned in Rome, many years had passed uh, since he had founded the church in Philippi but their mutual love is strong for each other. These people are highly connected, right? And they're connected by Jesus. So news eventually reaches Philippi about Paul's location, where he's at. They learn that he's in prison and that he's in need of everything. He couldn't work as a tent maker to earn his own living. He didn't even have clothes warm enough for the long winter in Rome. So immediately the Philippians began to collect funds and they sent them to Rome as fast as they could by way of Epaphroditus. And so here in, in his letter, now, as he writes back, Paul affirms them for the continual thoughtfulness and sacrifice. Deep love, right? He told them their act was a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. You know, that's what happens when we do things that God wants us to do when we act the way God wants us to act and engage the way God wants us to engage. It's like a, a fragrant aroma that pleases God. He can smell it. But I want you to see that Paul did much more than thank them for what they had done. He affirmed them for who they were actually. And that is a true sign of real maturity and growth this ability to affirm, not just appreciate, that's different. You see, as important as appreciation is for a job well done, it's incomplete. People are not just, you know, tools or instruments appointed to accomplish, accomplish a set of tasks, right? We're not humans just doing stuff. We're human beings with souls and feelings. So we have an inner need to be affirmed for who we are for those things that we do that are unseen and hidden, hidden qualities that make us unique individuals of worth and dignity. And the best, most mature people like Paul know, uh, they know this, so they appreciate and they affirm. 
Have you ever been affirmed like that? Feels awesome when you are. Has anybody ever made you feel proud to just simp- uh, simply because you were just God's valuable creation? worth more than the life of his own son, gifted and called to his purposes. See, I felt like that. People have affirmed me and they, and, they, and they still do. It feels so good. This practice of affirming others in this way is, is one sign or one of the keys or secrets of maturity. And it's a quality that all Christ followers, doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, should have and should embrace. Hebrews chapter 10, two verses, verses 24 and 25 say, and let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works, not abandoning abandoning our own meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and even more so because you see the day drawing near. See, mature Christ followers and people See the need to build others up, to cheer them on, to spur them on, not just for what they do, but for who they are. Let's move on to another point, another characteristic of maturity. It's found in Paul's life. It's the ability to be content in every situation in life. Look at verse 11 uh, with me. Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. See, to Paul, it didn't make any difference whether he was freed or chained to a soldier, whether the day was hot, humid, dismal, cold, windy. It didn't matter whether the Philippians sent a gift or they failed to make contact. You see, he was going to be content. I don't know if you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, but some people are thermometers in that they just reflect what's around them. If a situation is tense and pressurized, they reflect tension and irritability. If it's stormy, they they reflect worry and fear. If it's calm, quiet, and comfortable, they reflect relaxation and uh, peacefulness. But other people are like thermostats. They regulate the atmosphere. They determine what the atmosphere is going to be like. They are mature change agents who never let the situation dictate to them how it's going to be. And Paul was a thermostat kind of guy. I like that about him. He was content regardless of his situation. Seems really appropriate to talk about that right now, right? I mean, this is crazy. I got to tell you, yeah. Everybody I talk to just cannot believe what is happening right now. It's unprecedented. But I believe that what the world needs of Christ followers right now is contentment and a lot of thermostats. Contentment is an internal characteristic. In other words, we don't really need uh, anything outside of ourselves to be happy or to be satisfied. We don't need money or possessions to be satisfied. True contentment, see, comes from Jesus within us. Most of us believe that. I believe that. And I think lots of people believe that. We just don't live like that, that, that we believe it. We live in such a discontent culture, a discontent time. Statistics tell us that Americans 
they move on average every three or four years. On average, people are moving, just moving from where they live. People divorce every five to seven years. We change our jobs, our homes, our relationships, but we're still not satisfied. Listen to this. This is crazy. I looked this up just recently. Did you know that the typical American five-year-old owns 250 toys? 250 toys. Uh, Think about that just for a minute. If you do the math, a five-year-old has only lived for 260 weeks in his life. That's almost one toy per week. (laughs) No wonder we're so dissatisfied and discontent. The pleasure that comes from acquiring or accumulating stuff is always temporary, right? Like a drug, it satisfies just for a little while. But the more we get, right, the less we're satisfied. It's because true contentment is not an external thing. It comes from Jesus within us. That's the only place we can be content, or only way we can be content. Contentment is also a learned characteristic or a learned temperament. In other words, we're not born content, nor do we gravitate instinctively towards contentment. This is a character trait that's learned and developed. We have to, we must learn to adapt and endure. It's not easy, but if you don't adapt and if you can't endure, then you're going to, I think, eventually um, self-destruct. So how could Paul adapt and endure or, or even survive, right? He was in prison. What was it that, that, that relieved the tension and allowed him to be so relaxed inside? I think it was the fact that he was convinced he had learned that Christ was in the midst of everything in his day, pouring his power into him. He learned that, as he said in verse 19, God would supply all of his needs. And when we believe that anything, anything is possible, and I think that you can bear almost anything. Nothing's out of control, you see, when you live like that. So this leads to the next point really well confidence in God's power. Verse 13, look at verse 13. One of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the way I memorized it. The New English translation says it like this, I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. It's interesting that there were people in Paul's culture who like him learned to be content. They were called Stoics. These are unique people. They train themselves to be self-sufficient. But for for Paul, it wasn't self-sufficiency that was enabling him to be content. It was Jesus's sufficiency, Christ's sufficiency. See, the Stoics' sufficiency or contentment came from their own inner strength. Paul's sufficiency came from outside, from being a man in Christ who is totally dependent on and not so dependent on the outside stuff like the Stoics. There's two ways to handle pressure. Kimberly talked to uh, said that I was going to be talking about this thing called the bathysphere. I don't know if you uh, had a little bit of time to look it up, but um, let me tell you about the bathysphere. 
It's a miniature submarine. Uh, it was used to explore the ocean in places so deep that the water pressure would just crush a regular submarine, just like it was in an aluminum can, right? Bathyspheres compensate for the pressure with a, a really, really thick steel hull that's several inches thick. They're really small and they're really cramped, so they don't get crushed. When scientists in the, the first bathysphere first reached the bottom of the ocean floor, and it, this happened a long time ago in the early 1900s, but when they got finally way down there where we had never been before in that deep, dark ocean where there's no lights, nothing, you know what they found? They found that they were not alone. <laughs> when the outside lights are turned on, and they look out the thick windows, they saw a fish. I'm going to call them the Mariana Trench Fish. They got all kinds of names, but you find some of these fish, uh, fish in these deep, deep part of the ocean, the Mariana Trench, right? So these fish cope with extreme pressure in an entirely different way than the bathysphere. They didn't build thick skins. Instead, they remain elastic and free. They compensate for the pressure outside through equal and opposite pressure inside themselves. We learned this because when he kind of captured them and then bring them up to the surface, they kind of just explode. <laughs> Maturing Christ followers are not supposed to be hard and thick-skinned stoics. They are moved by the needs of people around them. They care about what happens to others and they have learned to rely on God's power within them, Jesus's power within them, to enable them to withstand the pressure from the outside. And Paul said, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We tend to say all the time, um, I'm okay under the circumstances. Have you ever found yourself saying that? But circumstances are never meant to be something Christ followers are supposed to be underneath. When Christ, when Christ indwell, uh, uh, dwells in us through the Holy Spirit and loads this power into us, we are supposed to be above the circumstances of life. Paul uses this word strengthen all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's a rare word in the Greek language, but it's one that Paul uses really often. In 1 Timothy 1.12, he said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me. In 2 Timothy 4.17, he says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. In Ephesians 6.10, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This word strength means to infuse or to put power into. This strength then was not something that Paul just kind of conjured up from within himself. It was power that was infused into his life by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Paul's statement in verse 13 is not an expression of self-confidence. It's Jesus' confidence. That's what he has. He relied on this power source. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so if, if you've ever allowed God to fill you with his power so that you could have the strength to do truly God-sized things, then you know there's no greater excitement or thrill. I think this is who we're supposed to be in particular 
right now. So in Paul's ministry, you can see the way he affirmed the Philippians for who they were. And you can see his ability to be content regardless of his external circumstances. I think God's asking us to be that as well. We also see that in, um, in fact, he relied on God's power, not as his own, right? Not as his own. Paul was a mature individual, but in this text, we can see another quality of maturity in the Philippians themselves. Mature Christ followers give sacrificially to meet the needs of others. That's what mature Christ followers do. The Philippians gave when they couldn't afford to give because they had discovered that giving sacrificially enriches the giver. I wish more people could discover this. It's life changing. Look at verse 17, because Paul points to this principle when he says, I do not see this because I'm seeking a gift. Rather, I seek the credit that abounds to your account. Oh, that's so awesome. Paul and his Philippian friends, his people, right, had experienced firsthand the truth of Jesus's words when he said, it's more blessed to give than receive, right out of Acts 20. That is the paradox of being a Christ follower, right? What we give, we keep. What we let go of, we hold on to. When we are willing to empty ourselves, we become full. We're filled up. You see, no gift that we make to God ever leaves us poor or poorer. <laughs> I think it makes us available to the gifts and the riches of God. The act of giving forces us to trust God, actually. It thickens up our relationship with him so we're blessed in the act of giving. Paul knew that the Philippians giving to him would open them up to God's giving to them spiritually. We need to learn to give like that. Well, what does this have to do with me? What's this got to do with me? I think there's a lot of things right now. In particular, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? <laughs> there's a big difference, right? The fact that Paul was convinced he had learned that Christ was in the midst of everything in his day, pouring his power into him. He had learned that as he says in verse 19, God would supply all those needs. See, he, he was a thermostat, right? He was a thermostat. I think it's a great question to ask because I think the world needs us to be thermostats right now. Are you a bathosphere or a Mariana Trench fish? <laughs> the bathosphere is awesome, but it's a trench fish that adapted and actually the internal design and mechanism allowed, allows the trench fish to withstand all this pressure. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. There's a lot of lessons right there. If you're a bathosphere, trying to do all kinds of things. I mean, people are scared to death right now and what's going on. I mean, we are, I read recently and I've talked about this with people that the reason why people are hoarding toilet paper is because it, um, it makes you feel secure. People are doing all kinds of things to feel secure right now because that's the way the bathosphere operates. 
Are you giving sacrificially to meet the needs of others? See, the act of giving forces us to trust God. And it also thickens up, it deepens our relationship with him. So we are blessed in the act. It's a, such a great lesson. And here comes the last one. Are you a maturing Christ follower? Are you growing? See, maturity is a developed and discerning competence as to how to live appropriately and to change correctly. We must mature and grow. We have to be those kinds of people. Our world needs our concern for others to outweigh our concern for ourselves right now. Our world needs us to detect the presence of evil or danger before it's obvious. The world we live in needs us to have wisdom and understanding as well as knowledge right now. The world we live in, America, our community, your neighbors, the people that you're working with need us to be aware of the needs that they have. And this needs to be matched by our compassion and our involvement. Our world needs us to have the ability to grow spiritually by an independent intake of God's word. We each need to be feeding on and being filled up with the truth of God's word. This is a message we desperately need to hear right now in today's joyless and confused uh, world. Paul speaks about the satisfaction and joy of maturing in Christ. And he talks about the pleasure that's to be found in growing spiritually. I hope you see your need to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says that dying in your place brought him joy, that is, Jesus. It brought Jesus joy to die in your and my place. He loves you that much. He wants to be the center of your life. You and I were designed for that kind of relationship. Thank you, Lord, for the moments that we have together. I'm praying, God, that you would stretch us and cause us to grow right now. These are really great opportunities for us. So challenge us, Lord God, to become more mature Christ followers, not to be bathosphere, to be more like trench fish, more like thermostats instead of thermometers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us next week for our Palm Sunday message as Pastor Ben teaches from the book of Luke. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.